This is Tim Staten with Tim Stating the Obvious. What is this podcast about? It's simple. You are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go, whether it's to church, whether it's to work, whether it's at your house, you are entitled to great leadership. And so in this podcast, we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday, relatable, and usable advice. And a quick disclaimer, this show, process, or service by trademark, trademark manufacturer, otherwise does not necessarily constitute an implied endorsement of anyone that I employed by or favors them in representation. The views are expressed here in my show are my own expressed and do not necessarily state or reflect those of any employer. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Tim Stating the Obvious. In the last episode, we talked about the Deloitte, Gen Z, and Millennial Survey Report of 2023 and about their role of work and how they view it in their own eyes. In this episode, we're going to talk about the stress and burnout that these generations face. Now, many people may say that, like, oh no, what are they possibly stressed out about? Or this generation has it so much easier than we ever did. Or maybe even they are mentally weak. What could they ever be stressed out about? Well, I'm here to help shed some light on that subject. Did you know that 46% of Gen Z's and 39% of millennials feel stressed out or anxious all or most of the time? The Deloitte research showed that stress and anxiety among these generations were high before the pandemic uh, about their mental health. And as the pandemic resided and faded away, additional issues came up. The cost of living crisis, geopolitical tensions, climate change, and concerns about unemployment. Then take into the account that Gen Z's and millennials cite their finances and the welfare of friends and family as their top stress drivers. 36% of Gen Z's feel exhausted all or most of the time. And 35% feel mentally distanced from their work. And 42% often struggle to perform to their best of their ability. Now we talked about some of that in the previous episode about multiple jobs and everything else. Uh, So that could be adding to it. But specifically, we're, we're looking at the stressors when it talks about specific things. And millennials are lower, and they're still about 30% say they struggle. Now, I would also say, you know, in reality, overall, if we're hovering around 70 to 75% of people that are doing mentally well and not burned out, I think we're doing pretty good. I mean, honestly, uh, 70 to 75% of the people doing good, that, that's pretty good. Now, don't get me wrong. These numbers could be better, but they aren't that bad. They could be way worse. And I think that goes to show the progress we've made over the years with the emphasis on mental health. Over half of Gen Z is about 57% and millennials, 55%, acknowledge that their employees are taking mental health seriously. And roughly the same percentage, you know, 56 of Gen Z's and 53% of millennials believe that this is resulting in a positive change. So the numbers, you know, substantiate that. Uh, we've got about 75, 70 to 75% of the people doing really good. And then we got about half of people saying that, you know, employers are making progress about what's going on and that things are heading in a positive direction. So I think that's all really good, right? I mean, if you have eight in 10 Gen Z's and millennials that cite mental health support and policies as a top factor when considering a potential employer, that speaks volumes when it comes to how seriously that they want to take their mental health. And it also goes into how much better we're doing because we are taking care of our mental health. So 30%, you know, it could be better, but it's really not all that bad. And, and I love the fact 
that when uh, the research group kind of broke it down as into what opportunities were being offered by employers that were on the top seven list of what these generations thought was very, very important, right? So the first one was vacation and paid time off. The second one was regular catch up with their manager, focusing on their well-being. The next one was supportive senior leaders, then resources to help reduce stress, followed by access to mental health apps and digital services. Then they have a designated uh, meeting free day. I wish I had one of those. We don't have one of those, but that'd be awesome. And then paid for counseling and therapy. Now, what's really interesting about this is that millennials only tend and trend to only use vacation or paid time off, while Gen Z uses a variety of options offered, and I think that's good. I think that also goes to kind of like the differences in, in how people grew up, right? I know I can I can talk for myself. I can't really talk for anybody else, but I can talk for myself. I would like I like vacation time and I also like paid time off. Vacation time allows me to spend time with my family and friends and allows me to do the things that I want to do without having to be burdened by work or doing anything else. That is my set aside time. It allows me to clear my mind and de-stress and declutter and really go back to the basics of who I am as a person and reground myself about what's really important to me. And that is my family. Now, the other thing I would say that's also important, but it, and it has gotten better over the years is, you know, regular catch-ups with, you know, managers focused on well-being. I don't really think that I have ever experienced that. Um, I don't think I can remind, I can remember of a time where somebody really sat down with me regularly and was like, Hey, how, how's your mental health doing today? How's, how's that going out for you? How are you feeling today? Uh, that, that topic never really came up over the course of my career. Now, what did come up were supportive senior leaders and that's number third on the list. So what did come up is that, you know, I would have senior leaders come up to me and say, hey, you know, I, I noticed that you, you look really stressed out. You got a lot going on. Why don't, why don't we talk about it? What, what do you need? What can I help you to do? Hey, you know, you got this big family thing going on. Why don't you just take some time? I don't care how much time it is. The work will be here. You'll, you'll figure it out. You'll get it. Go take care of what you got to take care of. Then come back. I need you 100% here when you come back. Go take the time that you need to go do that. And I really appreciated that. And when I came back, I was 100% back and I gave it all I got until I didn't have anything else to give because I valued that. I felt that they valued me as one, as a person and not just this thing or this cog in the wheel that just kind of turns and turns and gets grinded down over time. I felt like they valued me as a person, and as a human being, and more importantly, not that they valued me, but they valued my family and what was going on. And that was more important that they valued that than they valued me. Now, I will also uh, tell you a quick story of an instance where that didn't happen. I remember I was working for a, a quick serve restaurant and I had a death in the family. And, you know, they were, they were older and it was kind of expected they were in their nineties. And I remember going up to them saying, Hey, I got this family thing going on. It's a funeral. I need the time off this weekend. I can't work, blah, blah, blah. I need it off. Oh no, you got to find someone to cover your shift or you're working. Well, that's, that's great. But if I can't find someone to cover my shift, I still need to go. That's, that's really important to me. So let me do that. Nope. I don't care. If you can't find somebody to cover your shift, you're not going cool. No problem. 19 year old me quit the job. 
I, I came in the next day, turned in my uniform, turned in everything, said, I'm done. I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, well, don't you need the job? Yeah, I, I do need the job, but you don't value me. You don't value what's going on. I'm done. Goodbye. And then the, then the next question followed by that was, well, aren't you going to work the rest of your shift? No, I'm not going to work the rest of my shifts for, for the rest of the week. What part have I quit? Don't you understand? You didn't value me. You didn't value what was going on in my life. So I quit. Goodbye. And then I eventually found another job and that didn't work out. And then I found another job. It worked out great. But the key point is, is if you have supportive senior leaders who really take the time and invest in you and go, you know what? I understand you got some stuff going on. Let me help you out. What can I do for you to help you get through this? Because I value you as a person. You're 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 more than just a person who shows up to work and help me get profit. So that's what we mean by supportive senior leaders. Be the second half of that and not the first half. The next thing is, you know, resources to help reduce stress. I think this one is a great one. And when, you know, I was in a, in a job and they started doing this, I really didn't take it serious about the whole breathing techniques, which I do regularly, by the way, because it really does help reduce stress. So if you don't know about the breathing techniques, there's tons of places where you can figure that out or you can message me and I'll help you and I'll talk you through it on how to do some breathing techniques or working out, providing people gym opportunities, finding people coloring opportunities. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, they have adult coloring books out now and you can actually color and it does help reduce stress, which is amazing. You know, something simple, but there are other resources out there that these businesses offer opportunities to help people reduce their stress. Then, of course, the access to mental health apps and digital services, that's good too. I don't think that's um, as highly used uh, as it should be, or if it's really uh, beneficial, as in like the last one paid for counseling and therapy, which is like person to person. But, you know, younger generation, younger perspectives, they may, may be more apt to use the app. So and then designated meeting free days. I think that'd be pretty awesome. To have like no one day we're not going to do this. I remember uh, reading a memo that somebody had, had posted in a larger organization that they said that there was something similar to this, but not quite exactly this. They said, we're not going to make phone calls on Mondays. On Mondays, you're going to get up and do face-to-face -face personal interaction. You're not going to use your cell phone. You're not going to use your desk phone. You're going to get up and walk. You're not going to send an email. I think having a designated meeting-free day would also be good because now you're taking something off the plate that restricts somebody to it that is expected to be somewhere at a certain time and place, whether virtually or in person. And I think that's incredibly important. I think it's a great opportunity for those businesses that can implement this. Not everybody can, but those that can implement it and are implementing it. I would be interested to hear, you know, how people really like that or if it's beneficial or if it's not a one from an organizational standpoint and two. Uh, from an individual standpoint, you know, how did you feel about it? Uh, I think it'd be really interesting to hear back from that. So if you're listening and you want to provide or share a story, please do. Uh, I think it'd be great for everyone to hear your perspective on that. But, you know, work isn't the only thing that is causing these generations to be burned out. You know, many Gen Zs and millennials are sandwiched, really. They're kind of pinned between the caregiver responsibilities for children and parents or older relatives, and it's impacting their mental health. 39% of millennials have daily or periodic caregiving responsibilities for either both children and parents or older relatives. And four in 10 stated that caregiving responsibilities have a significant impact on their mental health. And if you've one, if you don't have kids, just take the caregiving part away. Uh, depending on the age of your kids, they can drive you nuts, right? Uh, I know I was a pain in the butt kid. 
all, all kids are paying the butt kids. You've got some people out there who are like, oh, no, my kids are angels. Yeah, you're lying. At some point, you're lying. They're angels for you. They're not angels for everybody. But they are a pain in your butt. You know, it was funny. I was talking to my brother the other day and he, we were talking about our kids and what we we're getting them into. And he was like, yeah, he was like, my two youngest ones, you know, one's playing this one playing is playing that. And my two youngest, they're playing with my patients. And I started laughing. I was like, yeah, I can relate to that, you know, because that's what kids do. And and that could be stressful, right? So depending on how many kids you have, regardless of your financial situation, just kids in general can be stressful. Uh, and then you add school-age children to that, and you add extracurricular activities and developmental activities and everything else that goes into the family function. It can be it can be overwhelming for some people, and especially if you're a single parent, that can you know that doubles your stress uh, on that one. And you know when you add in caregiving for you know parents or other older relatives and i think that's really great for these generations who are putting their values into action and not just throwing elderly into nursing homes uh i completely disagree with those uh you know putting people in nursing homes i think they're horrible i appreciate those who are doing it because this is a very important job and we need elderly taken care of so don't take away what i'm saying as a negative slight towards you it's just something that i personally wouldn't want to do with my family but when you're when you're caring for elderly, you know, it's kind of like adding kids back in again. They have their own personalities. They've been doing things for 70, 80 years, and you can't tell them that they're doing something wrong, or you can't tell them that they can't drive anymore. You can't tell them that, no, you can't walk to the store by yourself anymore because you might you might forget what you're doing. Or, no, you really, really shouldn't buy this thing at the store because it's not healthy for you anymore. You know, so we, we got to do that. And then you, you have all these other things that go into it. And then you have doctor visits and then you have all these other things that go into it that compound. Uh, so if you are doing both at the same time, you're you're managing your kids, you're managing your elderly caregiving responsibilities, you're managing your job. And I haven't even mentioned working and developing and holding on to your important relationship with your spouse at that point either. Right. So you add that into it. And I haven't even talked about friends or anything else. Right. So we're already adding to things. So I can see how people are being affected by this. And the fact that people don't want to pay attention to this, I think that this is reports great because it highlights those issues that people are dealing with that you may not think about, that you may not really, really think about. Uh, so kind of to put this all into perspective, think about you and your situation right now. So if you're only working one job and you're not married or you're completely single, think about this. Think about now you're married, you've got three kids, you have an elderly relative that you're taking care of, and then you also have another job that you're doing on the side because the cost of inflation is going up. You're taking your kids and you're running around, you're doing all the things, you're helping you know, the elderly go to all the doctor's appointments, medications, all that stuff, spending time with your wife, you're doing all the things, and you are working full-time. What real free time do you have to think and have peace and quiet to really reground yourself? Probably about an hour a day before you fall asleep. Maybe, if that. But it's only a stage of life. It's only a small window of life that you're going to be in that. So, um, you know, it's really good to have an outside perspective, uh, you know, with mental health or something else. Especially, I, I would advocate on the therapy and the in-person stuff because then there's no other distractions. Right. If you're on an app, they can tell you some things. You can FaceTime 
but there's going to be distractions. If you do that face-to-face one-on-one time, there's no distractions. It's you and that person, and you're working on you and getting a stable, stable mindset to move forward. So that's my little plug for that. Just, just a thought. But then when this group was asked to rank the order, the impact on their mental state with caregiving responsibilities, they said mental health was, a, was an issue, right? What we just talked about. Then two, you know, personal and family finances. Things cost money. And, and sometimes what we thought we were planning on for retirement with the cost of inflation got cut in half, right? We all remember those 401ks and those stock funds that like took a dump because the economy took a dump. Yeah, all that money's gone too. So that's a big concern that, that you would also have. Then free time and an opportunity to relax. We already talked about that. When are you going to have the time to just sit and think and breathe and go, okay, you know what? I got this. We got this. We can do this. Let me reground myself so that way I can relax and be better for everybody. And then physical health. When are you going to have time to take care of yourself? Either work out, eat right, prepare meals so that you can't eat right, plan ahead so you can do, do those things. And then if you're not and you, do not, and you don't do those things over a period of years, it's going to take a toll on your health, your physical health. Then you're going to decline. And then, then what boat are we in there, right? So that, that's also a huge concern. And then the ability to do their job. So if you got all this stuff going on and you come to work and you're not really supported at work either, you don't have the right tools or resources or support, then it's going to be hard to do your job. It's going to be hard to be focused on it if you've got all this other white noise and distraction going on. If it was me and I was a leader and I knew a lot of these other people are, you know, have these specific things, I'm going to make sure that that person coming to work is probably the most enjoyable experience of the day that they will have because they're not going to get any other time of the day. You're still going to work, but I'm going to make sure that this is the most enjoyable experience you can have. Perfect example was today. It was super, super hot and the AC went out in the building. I looked at one of the guys on my team. I said, dude, you're going home. I got a little bit to do, but you're going home. You don't need to work in this type of environment. It's super hot, super stagnant, very uncomfortable. You just need to go home. You don't need to stay in this. You don't need to work in this. You can telework. You can do what you need to do. Just something simple like that, right? And then they, they talked about job opportunities and care development. So if I'm at work and I'm giving it all I got, who's taking the time to give me the opportunity so I can excel and grow and take care of those personal and family finances things that's really brewing in the back of the mind, the back of my mind? And if I'm not there to get those opportunities, how can you develop me to get me there? Because I obviously am too distracted from everything else to really focus on that. So how can you help me get there? And the other thing is, is personal relationships with peers. So if I, I you know, again, uh, I think that's very self-explanatory. You know, we talk about all these things and, you know, I don't know how much time you're really going to have for a personal relationship with peers. It's probably going to be very superficial. We're just going to talk about football. We're just going to be talking about baseball and what's going on. Probably Hurricane Lee or whatever is going through. And that's it. Because my brain capacity is tapped out at that moment. I got too much going on. But then again, after knowing all of this, I'm still left with the question. So what? We, we know this. So what? What are we doing about it? And for me, it all comes down to this. Understand your people. Understand what keeps them up at night and how you can help them. Within your scope of responsibilities and realm and span of control, how can you realistically help them? And not help them where you want to help them, but help them where they need it. So this week, I want to I wanna practice something. I want you to pick one person who you work with and just sit down with them and talk. Not about superficial things like football or the baseball season ending. They're important, but they're not that important. Start with small talk and then build up, starting asking questions about what they're interested and really find out what's keeping them up at night. 
And I want you to think about in a week from now, when I talk to this person again and I, and I get an update on their situation, what could I possibly do to help if you could do anything at all to help? And I bet you're going to notice a significant difference over the next couple of days or even weeks. And if you go the next day, you pick a different person, you do the next thing, you know, you spend about 20 minutes doing the same thing and you work your way around your organization. And then when you come back again and you, you, to the first person, you start talking about it, I start thinking about, well, how could I help, help this person within my span of control? Maybe the only thing I can do is make the work experience the most enjoyable thing that they do that day. And if I can do that, then maybe I'm helping this person out mentally. You can still require everything. Standards, all that stuff is important. Key objectives and results, those are also very important. But you're going to reach all that if you make work enjoyable and you make your culture enjoyable for people to come to work and that they want to come to work. It's super important that we remember these things. So that's that's the thing I want to practice this week. So if we can do that, that'd be awesome. And if you do do that in a week or two, you come back, you know, go on our Facebook page or Instagram page and kind of find the caption that I do for this episode and leave it and leave, leave a story. Tell us your story. How did that work? How did that not work out? But I'm pretty sure it did work out uh, for you. So let us know. So as always, thank you for stopping by and listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Before we go, I'd like to ask a favor of you if I could. If you could please share this episode with three to four other people who might like this topic. And if you haven't followed or subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on, go ahead and hit all those bells and whistles and icons and do all the things so that way you know when we post another episode. And if you got some value out of this episode, please leave a review or a comment so we can help spread the show with other people who are interested in the topic but just haven't found our show yet. Again, thanks for stopping by. I'm Tim Staten, stating the obvious.